1: And welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Court, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Bryce and Graham Young. Guys, how are you both? Happy New Year and all that. Happy New Year, mate. 2021. Glad to see the back of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but aye, it's one of those ones where I don't know if I should wish you happy New Year, but it's the kind of festive thing to do, isn't it? You know. Um, good time for you both. Enjoy the your your festive period.
2: Oh, very quiet, as you can imagine. But no, it was it was a slight upgrade on last year. So um, if we can keep making incremental improvements, by I don't know twenty thirty, I might have a (laughs) might have a problem. Uh,
1: um, Graham, one uh, group of fans that would have been over the moon on New Year's Eve was Celtic fans because unlike previous transfer windows when the club seems to kind of drag their heels and it's one of the last teams to get their business done um, on New Year's Eve, Celtic announced a triple signing. Not just one, not two, but three signs uh, in the shape of Rio um, uh, Hatate, uh, Yosuke Igaguchi, and who's the last one I'm missing out? Oh, of course, Dyson Maeda. Um Celtic fans must have been buzzing at the news. Well, definitely.
0: Um, I think the fact that three of them were booted for so long, was, it, wasn't, it didn't catch anyone by surprise, but still uh, warmly received. Uh, Celtic bearing gifts, first foot in the fans at New Year a trio of, um, I think, top players. I think the argument, obviously, like the success of Kyogo um, is evident. Anyone that's watching this season knows how good a player he is. Uh, so when you go back to a market, it makes sense. But obviously there's an element of this because if is the best of the four, potentially, then it, 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 does that make it, is it the same blockbuster element? But I think the really important thing is all three of these players fit at all. Um, Maeda, by all accounts, the report says he's a, he's a workhorse striker who's improved as time's gone on in terms of finishing. And um, if you look at his goals, I want them just half yard in the box and like skimming ahead and into the bottom corner. The type of thing, dare I say, that Larson was very good at back in the day. Uh, he's obviously got to have a long way to get to that point. But he fits a role. Celtic want every player in the start eleven to be working hard. and Maeda, by all accounts, uh, is the hardest working player of them all. Atati as well is a really interesting player in the sense he's played multiple positions, he was played up to university level two years ago, I think the system's obviously different in Japan, that, that's kind of um, the way that players often do it, um, and he's played for the team that's won the title for the last two years, key man, plays multiple positions, I think his position may be battling with David Turnbull in the kingdom. Um, that position between McGregor and Rogage in the midfield potentially, but again Celtic's injury history. Um, the first half of the season means that he could be playing multiple roles. Now the Gucci was maybe the highest rated of them all, maybe four, or five years ago by all accounts, and seemed destined to be like the next great kind of sitting midfielder in Japan, but maybe a couple of wrong moves. The Leeds United switch didn't really work out. But I think it's quite brave of him to have a second go at it. Um, and that was obviously in his thinking when he spoke um about the decision that he come to Celtic. And I think there's a trust level with Coglu that he's managed in Japan, he's getting the best at Kyogo. He's worked with Maeda. Um, he knows what he's looking for. And if he maybe if he thinks he's a good player, then he's he's probably right. So um, there's plenty to be excited about, and it really does uh, revitalise a team that was uh, running on fumes just before the winter break.
1: Liam uh, Gray makes a really good point there about the, the trust in Ange Postecoglou. Like he could announce he's going to start fielding Hoopy the Hound, and I honestly feel like a faction of the Celtic sport go, "I put enough. <laughs> um but like if any of these players are half as good as Kyogo, Celtic have got, you know, another serious batch of signing on, signings on their hands.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the impact, obviously, that Kyogo's made is, it speaks for itself. Um, he, you know, he hit the ground running, you, um, exactly, and everybody could see right away what he was all about, what kind of, he sort of, you could see right away that he had the, the potential to be a, a special player for Celtic, and it it certainly panned out that way so far. So as Graham and yourself say, it's Postacoglo has kind of earned that trust um, to go back into this this same market that he knows really, really well, um, and to bring in another, um, I said another three signings from the J League. So, ah, uh, definitely, they're, they're definitely you know interesting and exciting signings. Um, and as, as Graham says, it's the he touched on it. So like the timing of it as well, I think, is is key. You know just from the point of view of the Celtic, they were they were kind of toiling in terms of injuries and whatnot, that, you know, the, the, the squad that they put out against St. Johnston was about as makeshift as they, as they come. And the timing as well also, and, you know, it's it's been so warmly received by Celtic fans because to an extent, you know, they're not particularly used to, you know, getting these signs done and dusted early doors. And it was it's such a contrast to, you know, the summer where you had... Uh, Postecoglou was talking about, you know, hesitating in the market and uh, opportunities passing them by and not being pounced on. Uh, and he was kind of, he was loud and clear and about that during the summer. And, you know, it's, it certainly seems that the, the club have listened to that. And as I said, it's been no, it's been no secret that these three guys were on their way. Um, but i I think you might get some of the more cynical Celtic fans who thought, well, there's no way we're going to announce them all on New Year's Eve all at the same time. Um and I think even in his reaction to it, call, there was just like you kind know, of brief quotes from him on the Celtic website, and he did make a point of how of saying how, how happy he was to have them done early. Um and I think that's that's the key thing going into the, the second half of the season because the January market is, it's, it's you know it's typically as difficult. And it can be difficult for players to settle, you know, even moving domestically, never mind from halfway across the world. So to have that kind of bit of extra time with a winter break, um to get them these guys settled in. And as we saw earlier on uh in Wednesday, you know, they're now they could play against Hibs, um, they could make their debuts there. So to get that time to, to get them settled in and embedded in, I think will be invaluable for for the manager.
1: Uh, as, as as you say, Liam, they're, they're in line, certainly, or, or should be available, um, to make their debut in the first post-winter break um, match, which is Hibs on January the 17th. I think we've, we've got a story in um, record sport online today about um, the players being left out of Japan's Korean Cup squad, um, so hopefully we should we should get a good look at them in, in that game, if not from the start. Um, obviously, brilliant news, Graham, and and exciting for Celtic fans, but... Where else do they need to strengthen this month? Where else is a priority? Defence, midfield? What's your thoughts? I think there is still a couple of areas that potentially uh, could be looked at. One would be,
0: for me, um, another keeper. Um, I think Barkas obviously um, was a very Barcaz performance, actually, this Johnson game in the sense he's good with his feet, he always has been. He actually suits that style of football. Uh, and he had no chance to go be fair to him, but he's got this weird. People used to make the argument it he doesn't make saves, but he didn't have any saves to make. <laughs> um, that's all the goal, but doesn't it? Even he never just gets a shot straight at him, just to embed him in. Uh, he is quite good at, have got to be honest, is claiming the ball for corners. Um, not saying Joe Hart's not good at that, but maybe it's lower down in his strength. I think a really strong backup keeper, maybe a twenty-three, twenty-four year you know, that kind of profile. Scott Bain as well is fine, but there's an argument that Scott Bain maybe it's probably not the top 10 keepers in Scotland I think you would want a Celtic keeper to be among that and um, I think that is an area that if you can because there's heart injured if you can get a really top back up that important left back to me it's debatable maybe it's plenty of options but maybe not that bona bonafide because Yuranovic covers there was uh, Ralston's form's been so good? Scales looks good, I think Scales has been a decent signing. Huh? Uh, he's a kind of bigger, kind of like Sasa Papach size, kind of left back, take the ball, decent crosses. Greg Taylor's a workhorse, does his best, pretty decent player, but it's maybe an argument that it's never got you upgrade, but maybe that's not for January, you know, maybe they can feel that that's a position down the road. Um, and then you would be maybe looking, I think, elsewhere for that, then a winger, but I don't think Southampton could ever have too many wingers. Forrest Johnson injury prone. Forrest has an incredible Celtic career, but he was almost injury free for a long time after. That was a big uh, setback. He's he's kind of early Celtic career the hamstring injuries. Uh, but the last year and a half been pretty troublesome from that way. Um, I could see another winger being an option. Obviously they hope to tie up Jot in a permanent deal, and maybe you're making an argument for centre half. But if Julian's coming back, you've just that's it. You know, and that's the one because I think if you start out for all these. Um, his, his, his moments there's a decent defender there but then Cameron Carter-Vickers is an absolute standout, just a top player I uh, don't remember um, a centre-half at his height he looks about 5'10", been so dominant in the air and you bring Julian and Stephen Welsh, is a, a cracking player uh, he's not the finished article but he's just like that Stephen McManus style of defender that he comes in, does a job, loves the club um, and I think he's got room to grow at I think Stephen Welch has got to have a great career So after weighing all that up, I think if you're doing it in a a top three, less importance to me. I would go maybe winger first. Um, I would say goalkeeper. I think you get Barkis out the door. No, Bain's relatively dependable, but I think they can upgrade there. And I think that's something that if Celtic, they've obviously got ambitions. They've been pretty bold in the transfer market over the last two windows. That wouldn't shock me if that was a position, but. Uh, and then maybe a left-back if you can't get it. I wouldn't buy another left-back who's just in the mix, I think it would be a case of, but then you make the argument that Juranovic, uh, you paid decent money for him, uh, but maybe that's just life, maybe, in a dream world that Juranovic would be just the kind of the spare man in all positions, Because Tony just playing at a level that no one imagined, and it's easy. I think that kind of tough second half in Leverkusen where I think people maybe have always doubted and go oh, he was poor there poor. he's been absolutely excellent he's a goal threat and he's really good one on one that's the thing going back the way when he's up against a fast winger he takes good angles he's able to stop crosses coming in um, I think that's where they kind of lay the land but I think if it's going to be any position I think it would most likely be a winger another attacking option would be first but as I say goalkeeper could be something to look at yeah
2: I think Graham's he's, he's well covered it there the only thing I would maybe add to it and it might be more of a Possibly, maybe more towards the summer than in January. I just think the Celtic. You look at the you can kind of look at the squad on paper and the, the depth of it now. I think you, there's an argument that you could make a case uh, to add a bit more depth in those two. I suppose now you, you would call them the Turnbull and the Rogic positions. I know uh, that Rio Hatate is certainly expected to to compete. Um, with David Turnbull in the in the midfield, but I just think in terms of that, maybe just one extra pretty creative uh, creative midfielder. If you were being greedy at this point, um, because I think you look at the you look at the base of midfield now in Celtic are quite well are quite well set there. You know, obviously Callum McGregor's first choice. Um, you get near beat on who can come in. James McCarthy is he's not really done it quite yet, but he's still there as an option. And obviously now they've added Ida Gucci to the mix as well, even even if as well, you know, you've got Sorrow, who's a wee bit uh, he's fallen right out of the picture to be honest. Um but I think if you were if you were being greedy on top of what Graham said there, um another option kind of further forward in midfield, um maybe somebody more in the I mean you don't get many players in the, the Tom Rogic mold, but somebody who's that creative threat uh and a goal threat as well, just to add a bit of further depth there. And that's all I could really I think that's all I could add at the moment to uh, to what Graham said because you know you look up top and you've got Kyogo um, who's obviously the main man uh, Maeda could you know fill in as that second striker as well uh, yet he looks to be on his way out and I think it's you know you could say this is a criticism possibly even though he's been you know it's not had an easy time out with injuries but you just you still don't know about Jack and Marcus really do it we? it's kind of really hard to say whether he's going to make it or not
1: i'd, I'd, I'd forgot he was still a, a going consent to be honest I had a... yeah
2: i mean he's not had an easy time over i think obviously he came in and he hadn't had a pre-season um and then he's he's maybe found i don't know is he found the intensity a bit? you know a step up uh you know those guys who did have a full pre-season and you know, I've been playing regularly. Who have you know broken down with injuries? So he's not, he's not had much luck in that sense so far, is what you could say about him. But again, it, it seems that the jury's still out. But you know, that's getting away from the point a wee bit. I think you know, just coming back to, that, if you were being greedy, maybe an extra option further forward in midfield. But I think it's certainly the depth of this, the Celtic squad is looking much much better than it was, and we've still got you know a good few weeks of the transfer window left to go
1: see um just going back to um you both kind of mentioned Barcass there. I, I know we've talked about barcast to death and there's not much else to add but i just think one, once he does leave that'll go, that this must be one of the most kind of puzzling kind of hard to explain transfers like clearly he was a, a player of, of quality he must have been scouted played in the champions league played for Greece. and see the other day like you mentioned graham he didn't he didn't have a chance really with st johnston go good finish by chris Kane, but he, he seemed, when he jumped, he almost got shorter. He was almost, I was looking at the telly, his head was almost at a lower point from when he was standing. Just a really weird kind of episode to the Barca stuff, but I don't want to kind of lump on him. I think he's taken enough stick. Um, the other big news on Record Sport Online this week, Graham, has been about um, Cameron Carter-Vickers and, and the, uh, Jota, Felipe Jota, and whether or not Celtic can get them tied down permanently in this window. I think the numbers being bandied about are sort of between 10 and 12, 12 and a half million. How much of a priority would it be to get it done this month?
0: Uh, both deals, just uh, both of them would be mad. I think there, there's a compelling case for, you could make for either one kind of been more important, but the, the fact is they're both vital players because Jota looks destined to be a top winger that can play the best leagues in the world to me. And Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, it has been an absolute stand-in. I think you need to give Carter Vickers extra kudos because Celtic ask a lot of their central defenders. A lot of times are left isolated, but he's very cool. He's very composed. Decent passer. Brilliant in the air. Absolutely brilliant in the air.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's thing as well. Starfield's not horrific near, but teams target him. They go, they'll put their best striker on, because they know they don't get any change out of He's just an absolute bully. He's so strong. He's keep people off the ball. He's, um just, he's been an absolute... I think Celtic fans the wildest dream could have hoped that it'd have worked out much better. Um people have watched them week in, week out. It's been so I think both are very important. I think everything's tied as well, isn't it? Like I'm not saying and Europa League next season doesn't have appeal, but the Champions League such a carrot for these players as well that if you can if they know they win the league this season, there's a very, very good chance that they'll be in the the Champions League group stage. Um at another level to showcase their talents. Uh, and again it would tie in with the kind of um, Way Celtic are operating right now. The three deals quickly out the box January, and then you add uh, the two kind of standout one signings and long term deals, which is very sign of intention what of Celtic are about just now. And then that probably opens them up for maybe one more transfer later on in the window. But um, I, know I, I don't know if you could. I don't know if we can kind of gun to the head situation you go for. But they both get their merits. Like they even get both in these long term deals. Your own player. Then at that point, I'm sure there'll be uh, sell-on fees tied up, maybe, especially Joe. I would imagine. I think Benfica are, are kind of masters of that as well. And I'm, I don't think Daniel Levy's uh, comes up short in negotiations. So <laughs> probably that's, um caveats that come in long-term deals up permanent transfers. But uh, both are just top players. I think. I think it would make perfect sense to get them both
1: tied up. And at the prices I mentioned earlier, would, would you think that's good value for Celtic? Um. Well. Aye, I mean it is they're not they're not
2: gonna come cheap, put it that way. Um but I think as as, as Graeme said, like, you know, the the push for this guarantee well all we don't want to say it, but almost, you know, guaranteed the Champions League football. Um it's it almost it would kinda of justify, I think, you know, a bit of extra outlay because then if you get that, you know, you get the the big, you know, the big pot for just getting there and then you know that can be obviously, you know, you pick up more uh, money for if you can pick up a few results. So I, I think you know it's you know by Scottish football standards it's not it's certainly not cheap. But I think if you look at the potential rewards a few months down the line, then it's certainly worth pursuing. And all the noises are, you know, that the Celtic are trying to pursue it. So you know, I suppose we'll see what happens in
1: the next few weeks. This obviously, I know it's, this might sound a bit naive, and I know transfers don't work this way, but. I was reading a bit about Benfica on my, you know, during my time off. I know, obviously, the wild Christmas parties uh, that must go on in my house, but reading about Benfica and how they're struggling this season, the third in the Portuguese league, seven points off both Sporting and Porto, and I, I bet me thought that it's really important to get Jota signed up, just because if you're Benfica, I would look at him and think, you know, actually he's, I think he's a brilliant player. You know, I almost think it's important for Celtic to get him signed up him in particular, just purely because Benfica and even other teams start to take notice and think, do you know what, 22, he's only going to get better?
0: Uh, oh, definitely. I think you know, the interesting thing is he's maybe at the end of the road in terms of his Benfica career because um, Jorge, uh, Jorge Jesus, the ex-boss, um, he, had a, he had a long-term well, the fans have had a long-term issue with them in terms of developing their own because the likes of Cancelo and Bernardo Silva um, were shunted out years ago. And um, Jota's kind of part of this new generation that's been the same. They've actually just appointed the ex-B team boss, but very much seems the plan is for Jota to kind of um, leave the nest. Um, finally, and this is Celtic, moves worked really well for them, uh, but I agree with you as well. I think Jota, on his fo- on the form he's, shown that Celtic is capable of playing for Benfica so, um, but yes, again I think there's a difference, he is 22 these guys know him really well, I think that's what Benfica are all about, evaluating talent, maybe they feel differently and feel they can get a better player at a better price or uh, who knows, but I think personally he would, he would be, he's got that level of quality to you. you can see the style as well, that's what these Benfica players are like, they isolate players out wide, few tricks, turn get the ball in the box, and that's what Jota's all about but um, Benfica's loss will also be Celtic's gain if they can get the um, agreement in place and it just ties nicely, doesn't it, with, with the hamstring injury. Um he'll be back for this run of fixture. You'd imagine I know it was a pretty serious hamstring injury by all accounts and, and obviously obviously hope he would be back for the Hibs game, but if not pretty soon after. Um but I know it's you can I can see what you mean, Daniel. Probably if you're in negotiations you're like, okay we'll just he's done okay but we'll just take him uh play <laughs> down, down a bit, you know what I mean? And he's <laughs> uh, he's, not very, he's not very good at just trying to <laughs> No. Yeah. you don't want him back honestly I mean, he's, <laughs> honestly he's a nightmare he's, he's part of rubbish. so um, he'll just go over the line but he's, he is a, a proper player and I think wingers everyone knows who wingers like it's just tough like it's all confidence how many over the year I can play like Martin Boyle not an out out winger at different times, certain managers can light a fire and now he's playing at a level very consistent. Glenn Middleton at Angels looked really, really good and another player who's struggling now, James Forrest over the years in these moments, it's a really temperamental position where um, it's, it's because you're one-on-one with players, Like if you're not playing your best, you feel a bit out of form, but the style, um, it's a lot of passing but it really, they really are elevated to another level with Jota because he's just able to take the ball past players we use and um, with him and Keoglo, it's just really dangerous. And if you had my aid into that as well, um it's I can understand why certain fans are uh, getting giddy about the thought that three in, the three of them playing together.
2: Yeah I think the, the the thing with Jota is like you know he's obviously he was highly regarded um you know kind of coming through the youth ranks um at Benfica and playing for Portugal but I think you know obviously playing under Postecoglou is, is, is in a style that suits him but I think probably Maybe one of the most important things is Celtic are giving him a, a platform to go and perform. He's playing in a team that dominates games ninety percent of the time in Scotland, they're on the front foot. He's got that as I said, that, that, that platform, that step to go and show what he's all about because you know he's was it, it was it Real, was it via Delete <laughs> he had the, the loan at um, Yeah. And I think they get relegated in the season that he was the season that he was there. Um so I mean it's it's uh, obviously wasn't quite the ideal <laughs> scenario for a player of you know for a player has you know has as ilk if you know what I mean. Um, he's kind of one of them guys. It's it's it was, I think you you could see like if he was he's playing in one of these kind of relegation threat sides, he's not getting the opportunity to, to show what he can do. Especially when you're a you're a young player as well. You're looking for opportunities. And I think it's it's certainly there's a there's been a kind of a match made in heaven at Celtic, really the overhaul of the style, um, the manager coming in who's prepared to give him a chance and him going and taking that chance to show him what he's all about. Um, so I think, you know, you you, you kind of, you know, it fears, you said, Daniel, about, you know, other clubs potentially coming in or, or, or this or that, but you know, I think from the player's perspective, you know, you know, why wouldn't he want to join Celtic at this point? You know, it must, it's kind of give him, I think he's already said that it's, the best, it's kind of the best time in his career so far. Um, so I think, you, you know, there, there might be other clubs that might be interested, but, you know, I think Celtic's hand is is, is certainly, in terms of what they can offer him, is, is very strong.
1: Another thing that I want to get um, your guys' take on is, look, the last thing that we want to be talking about is more games being suspended. Um, obviously, with this kind of early winter break, it's changed a lot of the, the fixtures. Celtic are now scheduled to play Rangers on February 2nd. But I think there's definitely a case for Celtic asking for a postponement. I think the rules are if you have three or more players called up on international duty, you can ask for a postponement. And with the Asian World Cup qualifiers, I believe Japan are taking on China on the 27th. And they've got another game on the 1st of February as well. Um, That's against Saudi Arabia. Do you, what Do you guys think? Do you think it's worth asking for a postponement? Do you think uh, I know it's not something we really want to do? But you throw in Tom Rogic as well with Australia, and all of a sudden, pretty decimated something. Uh, I'm I'm against it personally.
0: I, I I think so, and I think what was Andrew's um, verse uh, words he said about um, there'll be no violin playing. I think he's perfectly accepted that. So you've got two Kyogo Rogic and then potentially Maeda, and Hatati's not, he's been an under-23 star, but Maeda's been more integrated than the first team Japan's squad. It's a very strong squad. It's very competitive again. Kyogo cool. had to wait a decent amount of time to really establish himself. Um I think you just need to go for it, honestly. I, I, I've got to be honest with that. Like, you Both arguments, you, you, the winter break, I think most agree was the right decision. The way the clubs were able to come about it and decide what was best. But I think it's where you're, you're still in that case of potential call-offs for non- um, or Covid reasons as well I think you just need to play it. obviously you would want Pogo to be on the pitch and Rogic to be on the pitch but that's unfortunately the way where we are and I think the schedule is really really tight and you look if Celtic put out Bodo Glimt then that's two more midweek um, dates taken up and I think they've got a decent chance of doing that I think that should be a really good tie actually in the Conference
1: League
0: mm-hmm. uh, Rangers are the exact same as well you know, I know they're not favoured against Dortmund but that's another two weeks filled up and it mean, just obviously be without a re-ball. I just for me, an ideal world. Obviously, the game wouldn't have been rearranged. You just put, obviously, if COVID wasn't here and they're in full house and a big game. Obviously, with the, the absentees at the time. But I think I think it has to go ahead. I, I don't think there's any other way around. it I don't know if William thinks differently,
2: but for me, I think game has to go ahead as, as planned. Uh no no I I, I I totally agree. Um like I can I can see what you're saying. Um Daniel and I, I know there an you know, there is in the rules that they're they're within the rights to do it. Uh but I think Graham's he's he's pretty much covered it. I think with the situation so far, um and the way things have panned out, uh, with the winter break being brought forward, um and the it's just the lack of the lack of wiggle room in the in the fixture list. And I know that we want on top of that, you know, it's the flagship fixture in Scottish football and you want to you want to have all the best players available. You want to showcase, you know, what, what Scottish football is all about, and because there is obviously some real talent uh, here in our game. But in in this circumstance, you know, if if they were to postpone this, um, as Graham says, if Celtic then go through in Europe, and then I don't know. On top of that, there is another say another COVID outbreak at the club, and they not enough players to play fixture to X, Y, and Z. It just starts to really pile up, and it could. It could turn into a bit of a, a nightmare situation um, with with the the amount of fixtures um, um, that they might end up having to play. Uh, so again, it's not ideal, but it's, I know people always put it this way. But it's the world we're we're living in at the moment, and I think certainly listening to Ange Postacoglu the other day, you know, he didn't he didn't rule anything out. But reading between the lines, it seemed to me that his preference would be just to play the game, regardless of you know what call-ups may or may not materialise. You've also got the fact that, imagine Celtic win the game without Kyogo and Tom
0: Rogic. imagine that for a kind of boost as well, which is definitely right. awesome. I think mm-hmm. based on, say Maeda hasn't called up, Haddaddy might not be called up either, then Maeda replaces Kyogo, You can rejig the midfield, potentially could be a new, another attacking option added between now and then. Uh, the lesser spotted Jack and Mackis could be back in the mix. There's, I think you get to that point that Celtic can't understand the rules there, but that's very much even the old rule you know, the one about when maybe teams in the championship are eh, good players or down the leads, and then maybe three players absent get a to call. To, like, the same rule mm-hmm. you always maybe it just doesn't sit right sometimes. You get a team, and, and I think that's exacerbated by what we're going through now the amount of skeleton squads we've seen on the pit. Look at St Mum, the Celtic. The argument that was kind of made about Celtic, all you know, they the much much foundation of 10 teams that over the week to the winter break to be brought forward, but like, there's, sometimes there's a band of brothers element that comes in. St Myrna probably knew they were down to the bare bones, but they were able to get a result. Sometimes that can galvanise a squad before a game as well, and yeah. I think so, if it's, you go in positive you're at home, they would obviously hope fans were in attendance. We'll wait and see how that goes. Um, but I think there's still, I just think there's too many I think it's probably right to me I can see your point, Daniel, of course, and
2: um, was made, but I just think that the right calls for the game to go ahead. I don't the players wouldn't want to call off surely, you know, I don't think they'd want to postpone it. I think, you know, the you know, you could say, Oh well Celtic were happy to move the winter break, but I think that was different. I think that's that's obviously been done with a view to having fans miss as little football as possible. Um whereas obviously this is you know, it's different and I, I just can I can't see it's different and you know it's just b2b players missing we might well have fans back in uh in some capacity uh by the time this fixture comes around you know, fingers crossed um but it's a different scenario it's you know it's players being called up for an international duty potentially which you know it's been happening you know since the, the dawn of time in football, uh, so I, I I I couldn't imagine like you know the, even the, the Celtic players if they were if they were sort of a few that they'd they, they'd want to have the game postponed. I think they want to get it played.
1: I, no, look, I, I to be honest, I kind can, of agree with both of you. I, I really was more kind of intrigued by the prospect. Like like you mentioned him um, Postacoglu's works about the whole you know we're not going to be playing any violins and his whole general spirit this season about let's just go out there and do it has been kind of refreshing. But then if, I, I was just thinking about it, if you're him, your whole season hinges on this game, surely you'd, you'd want to take every opportunity to have your best team out. But then again, when you were talking there, game, you made a good point about if they if they play the game and win without their best players. It made me think, can you imagine Celtic ask for it to be postponed and then lost? Do you know what I mean? That would be a, a you know massive egg in their face then. So it's, a, it's an interesting one, but I suppose anyone listening can get in touch with us on Twitter at record sport and on Instagram um, at Daily record under slash sport and can, can let us know your thoughts. Um, guys, I think that more or less brings us to the end of this week's Record Celtic podcast. Um, thanks very much for your contributions as always, guys. We'll thanks, Daniel. It. Cheers. And we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers.